0: This episode is brought to you by Malomo. Malomo offers Shopify brands the tools to turn shipping from a cost center into a profitable marketing channel through branded shipment emails and order tracking pages. This episode is also brought to you by Outer. Outer creates the world's most comfortable, durable, and sustainable furniture made from proprietary fabrics that are both eco-friendly and water-stain, fade, and mold-resistant. This episode is brought to you by Gorgeous. In case you don't already know, Gorgeous is the leading customer support platform built for e commerce companies. Stay tuned to hear from Alexandra Collis, the Director of Customer Experience for Princess Polly, an online fashion powerhouse, to hear how Gorgeous enables Princess Polly to manage all of their customer service channels in one place stay tuned for some special offers from our amazing sponsors exclusively for Stairway to CEO listeners later in the show. Hello, everyone, it's Lee Green, and welcome back to the Stairway to CEO podcast. It's my mission to bring you real, honest and unfiltered interviews with some of the most innovative founders and CEOs from all walks of life. We'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 82 of the Stairway to CEO podcast. I'm your host Lee Green and today I spoke with Mark Guddatis, the co-founder and CEO of Evermill. Evermill is the most sustainable and innovative spice rack and system for the modern home chef, made with amber glass to protect the spices from sunlight and compostable refill packets. Evermill is on a mission to provide the freshest spices with the least amount of environmental impact. In this episode, Mark shares with us his entrepreneurial journey from selling pizza slices to his friends after school, to working the door at nightclubs in San Francisco, to working in event planning, to having an aha moment that inspired him to create Evermill. We talk about the challenges he faced in creating custom-shaped glass, how he created the first self-aligning spice system, and how Evermill made it on Oprah's favorite things list this holiday season. Tune in for a special discount code from Evermill to get your hands on one of their amazing, beautiful spice racks. And if you like what you're hearing on the Stairway to CEO podcast, don't forget to click subscribe or text me at 310 510 6044. I'd love to hear from you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited to share your story in building Evermill. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So where are you from originally? Are you from LA? Because I know you're, you're sitting there now.
1: Um, from Kirkland, Washington, just east of Seattle. Yeah, it's a small town. I guess not that small anymore, but it used to be a small town, just 15 minutes from downtown Seattle. I grew up there, yeah.
0: So did you spend a lot of time hanging out in Seattle with your family?
1: Um, yeah, a little bit. There's more of the, more of the mountains and and skiing around.
0: So you like the outdoors? Yes. Yes. I get a little scared in the outdoors. (laughs) (laughs) If it's too quiet and remote, I get a little like, did you hear that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're not big, not not big sleeping outdoors, but like spending time outdoors outdoors in the
0: in the daylight mostly. Oh my god, every time I think about the outdoors it reminds me of this time my husband and I went camping and we were we got a cabin cuz that's how we camp. We just don't even get a tent. We're just like in a cabin. Glamping, right? So, we were by the fire like roasting marshmallows cuz I'm like that's what you do, right? You get a fire going, you get the marshmallows out, you try to make some s'mores and we kept hearing these noises and we're like what is that? What's happening in the woods? <laughs> Oh, God. He's like, I think it's a psychopath with a chainsaw <laughs> in the woods. And I'm like, a psychopath? I'm like, no, it's a bear. It's definitely a bear that's going to, maybe between the two of us, it was just like, okay, time to go. Like five minutes later, like, fire's over. We're in the cabin. <laughs> yeah. Ready to go home. <laughs> oh,
1: well, I hope it a good time.
0: <laughs> uh, I think we learned we're not great campers. <laughs> that was the lesson learned anyway so you like the outdoors way more than i do but um tell me about your childhood so you you did you have any siblings what did your parents do what was it like growing up
1: uh, yeah my mom's a, a nurse at children's hospital and my dad was an actuary so he was the random numbers for insurance companies to tell you the odds of certain things happening so they could kind of accurately charge prices for events happening i have two little sisters and yeah, I grew up kind of in this, the suburbs of Seattle. So it was nice. Last game was a big caddy growing up. So I was always caddying it was my first job.
0: Hanging out on the golf course.
1: Yeah. A lot of that.
0: They make pretty good money, right?
1: Yeah. Like that, I mean, we were 14 years old making, you know, a hundred bucks in a day, which was pretty sweet and it was cash. So, you know, if you could get a consistent job. You make some good money. You know, go to the nice country clubs and and yeah, it was yeah, it was a good way to make money. You know.
0: Oh my gosh! So were, were you entrepreneurial as a kid? Looking back.
1: Yeah, I was the kid buying having pizzas delivered to middle school and then selling the slices.
0: What do you mean pizzas delivered? You were like delivery boy. Or I would what just call you- the
1: call the the pizzas in, have them delivered, pay the pizza guy, and then I'd sell the slices for for a profit. You know,
0: oh, the, you would upcharge on the slices.
1: Yeah. Nice. Was, you know, those kids get hungry on the bus.
0: <laughs> oh, wait. So you sold them on the bus?
1: Yeah. It was, um, like, you know, I'd have a delivery guy come at three o'clock when school ended out and, you know, I'd pay 40 bucks for pizza and, you know, sell a slice for four bucks.
0: That's expensive. I don't even know if, I mean, four dollars <laughs> for a slice?
1: I don't remember exactly how much it was, but it was... <laughs> I would make a couple of bucks and I got free pizza.
0: I mean, so. I think if they're like $2 at like a New York pizza place and you're yeah. like upcharging four bucks as a 14 year old in Seattle.
1: I went to high school in the middle of nowhere. So we, we had to pay the delivery guy. There's no options.
0: Yeah. <laughs> nice. So what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I don't really think I ever kind of had dreams or aspirations towards one certain career. I've always just had a wide range of things that I kept kept trying out so yeah golf golf was kind of the first one
0: you wanted to go pro
1: oh I think those dreams were, were shortly realized you know shortly crushed I we played in high school and stuff but we won state in high school which was good and then um, college golf just wasn't for me
0: so no one like specifically crushed your dreams
1: no no it was just like, the competition of golf was just not very fun to me. Kids were not having fun that were playing that, and I wanted to go out fun.
0: What were some of your first jobs, I guess? I know you were a caddy, but when you were in school in the summertime or just like in college?
1: I, you know, like every 16 year old boy, you like cars. And so I went to the, all the nice car dealerships and tried to be a valet. So like, you know, you pull your car in for service, And then you know, there's a person that takes their car, puts the floor mat down and stuff, and then drives to the back. So I went and interviewed at the Lexus dealership, the Mercedes dealership, the Jaguar dealership, and finally I got a job at the Lexus dealership. So I was driving other people's nice cars for for the summer. So it was it was a fun job.
0: That sounds pretty fun.
1: Yeah, that was a good time. And then um, yeah, that was pretty much it. In high school, in college. I uh, went to the University of San Francisco, uh, right in the middle of the city. And first week of college, I was standing in line for groceries and the cover of San Francisco magazine was this four guys on the hood of a Camaro. And they were like called, they said vintage four and five and it had this sweet tagline about all the uh, parties and restaurants they owned in the in the city. And so I just cold emailed them Um I was 18 at the time. they were like, we're fully, we're fully staffed at the moment. So check back after the new year. And so January 2nd, I emailed them and started working for them as a night. I was 19 at the time. And they owned a bunch of restaurants and bars in the city and threw a lot of huge parties.
0: What was the company called?
1: It's called Vintage 415. They were like the cool kids of San Francisco. But quickly kind of took on an older brother role for me. And I was shortly like running nightclub doors at the age of 19. Oh
0: my God. How was that?
1: Uh it was a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> That's funny.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it was it was all just an internship and stuff.
0: Well, internship with perks to be the doorman, basically.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so you're working during the day, doing what?
1: Working, going to school during the day and then, you know, hanging out with them at night or at the restaurants or stuff like that. Sometimes I'd do the QuickBooks or do other things, but I learned like how to start a small business from them because they they started a couple more companies during my time there. So I got to see everything from raising money to signing leases to kind of starting the books and and all that stuff, and investor relations, and the branding of things, the design of things. So it really was a a good course in entrepreneurship. So I learned way more there than I did or ever put in college.
0: That's awesome. And so how did you um, move on from there to the next phase? Because I feel like that sounds like a pretty uh, awesome gig you had. So did you move up within the company? Or would you go from there?
1: I eventually graduated. And then I kind of if they had a, a great PR team, so that was kind of separate. So I would go kind of work for them six months at a time, um, just to kind of learn all these different roles that goes on for for starting a business. And just tried to be as wide of knowledge as possible. And then I graduated and I started working for a company called VentureBeat. It's a venture news company. And they had a lot of very cool events um, and stuff like that. So I kind of helped with the events side of things and then did like some of the research stuff for them
0: cool and so with these um events what kind of things were you doing
1: a lot of like startup vetting because there would be these competitions you know because there's a lot of like people in the space at these events and they would have like a startup competition so you know 400 people would apply to have their startup featured and they would go on stage and kind of do it and everyone would vote and they'd, you know when would get, you know, 100 grand in VC help or something like that. So I would take this list of 400 people and, you know, get it down to 4 to 10 people.
0: To pitch on stage, you're saying? Pitch on stage, yeah. Oh, cool. And so watching those pitches must have been pretty inspiring. Were you did you ever look at those pitches and say, I want to do that?
1: No, not really. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I was never like, oh, that's that's going to be me someday. I kind of wanted to do more of the venture capital stuff, and then I realized that...
0: So you wanted to be the judge.
1: Yeah, I wanted to be the judge. (laughs) That sounded more fun to me.
0: Right. Acting smart, just, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I quickly realized that venture capital either had to have come from some some sort of exit or come in with just a ton of money to get to where you wanted to be. So if not, it was a lot of work.
0: Right. It's kind of like either Harvard grad or
1: yeah <laughs> I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna get there,
0: yeah, it might take a while, right? so then yeah. what so so you saw this these pitches, you're like thinking maybe you want to do the investor realize meh, maybe not me,
1: yeah, and then i I had a good friend of mine who was doing he was a uh, contracted consultant for Red Bull doing all of their uh street art campaigns, so we were like this traveling circus of uh, street artists for Red Bull, where we would pick a city, find 20 local street artists, have them do one of those Red Bull coolers. Um, and then we threw another contest and the winner we would take to Art Basel. So it was just like curating art for Red Bull. And it was just me and a buddy traveling around the country doing that, It was did it for quite a while. And it was, it was a good, it was a fun time.
0: That's awesome. You keep finding these like really cool jobs.
1: Yeah. And then after that, I was, I was doing music festivals.
0: Not surprised.
1: <laughs> <laughs> For like Heineken and Red Bull and 7-Up and kind of these big corporations. and like we would do their activations, like come up with the ideas of their footprint at Coachella or something like that. You learned a lot and you learn how corporations work.
0: And then you were running the Cannes Film Festival and then... <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no. And then I did Restoration Hardware's catering for their events, which was fun.
0: How did you get into catering?
1: That was still with the same company. Um, Restoration Hardware was a client to them.
0: Okay. So it was like a consulting type of...
1: Yeah. It was like an event, kind of event planning, really. Um, like very brand heavy events.
0: I see. Okay, and so they would hire you guys to help them with these really cool events, and you would do them from A to Z.
1: Yeah, like when a restoration hardware launches, they throw a huge party, like two thousand people. They hold no expenses back, like get everyone in there from the town and throw. I mean, some of some places, it's the best party of the year for a lot of these cities. It was fun, and seeing how they were creatively was. It was really interesting.
0: So what was the name of this consulting place that you worked?
1: It was called Corso Marketing Group.
0: You were there for almost five years. So how did Evermill come about?
1: I was cooking a lot. I just read uh, Kenji's book, The Food Lab. And I read it like it was like a textbook. And I just would read recipes. And I was just obsessed with roasting chickens. Like I would probably roast like two a week.
0: Like just live chickens, like you would just go get them and and start roasting them yourself.
1: Oh no, no. I'd go go to store, <laughs> dispatch, pack them myself, and then just like just tried to nail down the roast chicken. And I was like buying all these spices, and I was just I would take a picture of the recipe. I'd go to the store, I'd you know grocery shop with the photo in my hand. I think I mean hope most people do it unless there's a better way to do it. And I, maybe that's the next thing, but um, I would just keep buying the spices over and over and over again because I didn't know what I had. And I wouldn't take, I wasn't, you know, smart enough to make a list of what I didn't have and bring it, I would just take a picture of the recipe. And so I'd end up with like just this huge shelf of spices that some of them I didn't know where they came from. Some, I didn't know if they were expired or not. And they were all in different shapes and sizes because, you know, 365 might be out of something. So you just buy the little small frontier thing. And then like, it's just, a, just an eyesore.
0: Oh, my, my spice rack before getting Evermill was, I'm going to post it on social media because the before <laughs> and after are hilarious. It's like, yeah. and it's exactly like you say, it's like, oh, Whole Foods 365 brand is round. Oh, but this other one is square. And so you just have a bunch of mishmash, whatever, you know, spices all messed up in a drawer. <laughs> it's like horrible. Yeah, it is.
1: You can go to the, and some of the nicest kitchens in the world. Like people spend a ton of money on their kitchens and they just cannot figure this out because like it comes from everywhere. And it, it there's a lot of waste in it as well because you're I mean most people you know they use it once. They buy it for a recipe, it sits and then they don't know how to use it, or they buy another one because they need it and they don't know if that's fresh or not. So they throw it out. So like you're really wasting a lot of plastic and, and time and energy and, and food product to make one dish. And so I was very frustrated by that. And it's so kind of started to have a to kind of try and solve that problem.
0: What was that aha moment? Do you remember it? And where were you? And how did it feel? What happened?
1: I was in the car and I remember just like getting like some soap from Aesop or something. And then I was going to the grocery store and I was like thinking of the spices and I was like, like, this should be an apothecary look. Like the dark amber apothecary look was kind of missing in in the spice world, I thought. And you know, the 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 and then kind of started researching what what's the best way to store spices. And it is in dark glass jars. Like you're not, you know, it's not plastic. The color keeps the light out. And the amber, at least you can see, like, you know, how much is left too. Just kind of came up with that and was kind of you know, thinking, well, like, why aren't there this? And then, like, what about the reuse, of, like, the refills? And, you know, with, you know compostable coffee bags were kind of making their scene as well. So it's like, you know, why can't people just buy these refills and compostable packets and pour back in? You know, that whole, like, loop system that was, you know, still, still a growing industry. I don't think anyone's really nailed it down yet. There's a lot of people that, have, that are working on it buying things once, refilling it with a product and you know, packaging has to account for a lot of waste. And, and I don't know what the exact thing is, but all of our trash is just packaging.
0: Well, your packaging is beautiful, by the way. Uh, I mean, when it arrives, you're like, oh my God, I have this luxurious gift right now that I'm going to open. The box is beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we did those for the first run. <sighs> we're like the same shape and everything will be continued. Yeah, those were... Those were nice boxes, but yeah, they were, they're expensive boxes too, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they look very expensive. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. No. So it was good to get the, you know, it was good for influencers and stuff to like be opening a box. And we'll always still have some of those boxes, but we want to get more eco-friendly with our our rack packaging. It was like a very, it's like a MacBook experience of.
0: It really was. It was like the apple of spices.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's very so we're gone for
0: it the spice rack is absolutely gorgeous it is like you said this kind of dark amber glass that protects the spices from sunlight and heat and what was so cool is like you said they come in these compostable packets so it's refillable and I, i've got to buy some more oregano because we've been out for a while and i've just gotten really lazy and i need to order it online but You have these packets are so cool that it's all organic too. Like these are all organic, top of the line spices. You even have your own blend. So talk to me about the Evermill blend.
1: Evermill blend is kind of like what we thought is kind of like the most universal. It's salty. It's garlicky. It's got a little bit of heat. It's got a little bit of lemon in it. And it kind of is like one of those, like, you can throw it on a chicken. You can put it on some fish. You can put it in a salad dressing roast vegetables with it. It just is kind of a catch-all for everything. We wanted to have one of the jars kind of be this rotating thing because you know seasonality comes. So we're like, you know, we should put our, our name on one of the jars just so if we want to offer something else, someone doesn't have to buy a jar again, they can kind of use this one jar as whatever they want. Um, but the real blend is, is one of our top sellers right now.
0: It's really good. I was wondering what the inspiration was for that. It sounds like that was maybe when you were testing out on some rotisserie chickens.
1: Yeah, that is, that's a chicken favorite around here.
0: So is that kind of like a mark blend? Is that like a personal mark blend?
1: Uh,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, that's me and my, my co-founder, Luke. We, we kind of really nailed that one down.
0: You have a co-founder. So talk to me about what, what were the first steps that you took to start the company? You had this aha moment. You're like, I see a, a need in the market and I'm going to go after it.
1: Well, first thing that I did is I called Luke. Um, He's kind of an operations guy and I'm kind of more of the marketing and branding thing. So you know, he's very great about you know operations and and keeping things going and and kind of timelines and project finishing and stuff like that. We met uh, doing the music festival stuff. So we met at, a, at the previous job and I called him and was like, Hey, I got this idea. I think I'm going to work on it. So then I quit my job he stayed on for another year. But I think first things first is we just started doing research and seeing what was out there. Where do you buy spices from? Um, how do you have products made? And um, Luke had a friend who had a ski pole company in Salt Lake. And so he introduced us to his designer. And so we had this this kind of creative team kind of help us come up with, you know, just workshopping and they had a 3D printer and stuff like that. So we started just kind of, kind of just throwing ideas at a wall and kind of narrowing it down. You know, they were great with, you know, materials and like, what can you do with colors or paints or, or stuff like that. Then we kind of I came up with the teardrop idea of, of all the jars kind of self-aligning because like we were going to charge as much for a spice rack you know there's going to be this this beautiful thing that was so well thought you know it would I would hate for it to be ruined with just these misaligned labels and that was from my Red Bull days of lining up Red Bull cans for all these coolers like everything always had to be perfectly facing forward you know lining in grocery store shelves is just you spend you know people spend hours doing it.
0: That's really interesting. And just to dive in on that, because listeners that don't know what you're talking about in terms of that teardrop, I know exactly what you mean, because I have one. And you mean that at the in the bottom of the jar, there's like this teardrop indent in the bottom. And then there's, I guess, a teardrop kind of would have a bump. So it locks in the jar so that it's always facing forward. It doesn't ever touch the jar next to it. it it's placed perfectly on the rack.
1: Yeah. And so we've got patents on that, which was another process, you know, the whole patent, patent process. And yeah, it was just, how can we come up with this? And I was like, well, it needs to be round on one edge and it needs to be pointed at one edge because it needs, you know, line to align to with. And we tried, you know, a lot of shapes. So we ended up coming back to the teardrop shape.
0: Why is that? Why did you keep coming back to that one?
1: Uh, nothing else worked.
0: Oh, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm thinking why not like a, a square or...
1: Yeah, yeah just yeah. so we can get like a, if you throw it in, I think about 35 degrees plus or minus from off center, it should fall back in. If you have a really heavy jar filled with spice, it'll fall in from a much deeper angle than an empty jar. But yeah, it was kind of like this, oh, this, this is now getting to a place where this product has, you know, value adds that don't exist on the marketplace. Like there's not a self-aligning spice rack in the world that I know of or that's refillable with compostable packets you know there's not really many I don't think anyone else is doing that
0: yeah I mean when you said something about people spend a lot of money on their kitchens I'm in that bucket of people that you know totally renovated our kitchen completely gutted it and redid it and here we are with a spice rack or you know spice drawer that looks like shit and then now we have this beautiful rack that just matches the aesthetic of the kitchen that we spent so much time and energy and money on making look beautiful. So that's um, a really good catch there.
1: We came up with a, a drawer model as well. Everyone's drawers are, are different sizes, so it had to be modular. So we just came up with a modular magnetic piece that can snap into to place and it can fit you know, any drawer as long as it's you know, three and a half inches wide, which every drawer is and, I think three and a quarter tall, so yeah, people who don't want things on a countertop, we've got a great option for them as well.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool, but I do have to stay I have to say this that I mean, it's really so beautiful. You don't want to hide it in a drawer. Like if you don't put it in the yeah. drawer, like if you can and you have the space on your countertop, like let it sit out because it's so it's really beautiful.
1: Yeah, to this day, like just word of mouth is just propelling cells. It's people walk into a kitchen and go, "What is that? you know. Like, <laughs> Exactly.
0: Oh, this is really nice. Where's this from? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Yep. For those listeners tuning in, we have a special promo code for you to go and get your own spice rack or to gift it for the holidays. Um, You get $30 off with the code STAIRWAY30. And I mean, you guys are going to, they better hurry up and act fast because you guys are actually going to be on Oprah's favorite things, or you just are. You launched that this week.
1: Yes. Monday, uh, Monday morning.
0: Right. Monday, the November 1st, Oprah, you know, came out with her favorite things.
1: Her favorite things holiday list.
0: That's a big one. So talk to us about the process of getting on that list. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, we have a, a great PR team, LGPR, and they had a connection at Hearst. Um, and you know, we started this company 13 months ago in October of last year. And we were like, "She's like, who's your number one goal?" And it was Oprah. Everyone's number one goal. You know, they were like, "This is beautiful. Like, we got to figure out a time and place for this." And then a couple months ago, we heard back, and they said. You know, can you send us some more? We're like, uh, all right, yeah, of course. You know, and then we found out that yeah, we were we were selected, and for the you know for this you have to sell on Amazon as well because Oprah and Amazon have a deal. So every product on her list has to be sold on Amazon, and so it's been getting set up on Amazon, and we had to send two truckloads of product to Amazon, like full semi trucks.
0: I didn't realize that that was a must-have in order to be on Oprah's favorite list. You have to be on Amazon.
1: I don't know if it's a, hun- I mean, there is not a single product on this year's list. That's not sold on Amazon.
0: Oh, so wait, did they say you have to be on Amazon to go do this or were they?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're, yeah, you have to check a box that says you will be willing to sell on Amazon.
0: So tell me what it was like when you, so you have this PR person and you're like, this is my big, you know, dream goal here is to be on the list. What happened?
1: We just found out and, you know, they're so busy. You kind of just want to, you get the acceptance letter and you just want to like, kind of step back because they're just so busy over there. and You don't want to be like asking them questions and they, you know, they'll, they let you know what to do. So it wasn't, you know, just getting set up on Amazon, you know, we were like, we need more inventory um, to take on take this on. Um as soon as we found out, we went and doubled our inventory.
0: Do they tell you like get ready to expect X number in sales or something like that or like orders?
1: No, you can kind of find some past previous founders talking about it. There's not a whole lot of information out there and you just you expect that you're just gonna sell out of everything you have. And so we were like, oh well, you know. Well whatever we can afford, we will um, put it into inventory, place the order, and stuff started shipping two months ago, six weeks ago, still on the water. So
0: what? Oh, it's still in the water because of the ships. the yeah. supply chain.
1: So Ooh. well we'll do our best to get it here, um, which you know still got some time and very optimistic. But yeah, it's kind of a you're helpless.
0: I think that I think I heard in the news that there's so many, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, there's so many ships out there in LA, just LA alone, that it would go to Chicago and back, back to back.
1: Definitely the containers, but that's for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of products sitting out there. And a lot of people are gonna need to start buying Christmas presents early or holiday presents early because there's not a lot of stuff that's gonna be there.
0: Get your toilet paper ready, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: hopefully they find. I mean I think they'll they're I don't know much about it I've been trying to kind of I can't control it so what am I gonna what am I gonna do
0: Oof, that's tough so you know I'm sure manufacturing just in general too what are some of the biggest road bumps you've hit beyond kind of the, the ships out at sea I mean glass
1: is difficult there's not an amber furnace in the united states that would that would touch us or in or in mexico um which is you know a big glass uh center you know amber glass is very particular and you no, know, not a lot of people use it um you know most people just go clear or green for for wine bottles and, and such so there's not a lot of places that have it and then you know we're a small company so we can't afford five million of these things for them to stop tooling try and figure out how this comes, you know, because it the way glass works is it, it's pressed and then it, it something needs to expel it off. And because of our teardrop shape, it kind of creates a very difficult situation for, for the glass to, you know, once it's formed it's fine, but to get off the machine is is more difficult. And so custom glass is is just a whole whole another beast.
0: Yeah, I think custom anything is kind of a
1: yeah, metal-wise, you're kind of fine. But when it comes to glass, it's pretty difficult. So, yeah, that's been kind of a kind of one of those things where we really had to tackle it because, and, or just, you know, take whoever could, could make it. We tried to have it made in the United States. Could not find anyone that would touch it. Tried Then went to, down to Mexico and Latin America. No one would still, they've got so much other business coming in. That they're not gonna stop and, and take us on and try and figure out a, a custom project. They're gonna keep in, you know, adding to their libraries of stuff or selling what they already know to so. sell.
0: Yeah. So is this something you're gonna have to do in-house?
1: Oh, wow, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have a glass, a glass furnace.
0: Well, what are you gonna do? What are the options?
1: I mean, we found a place, you know, in Asia that can do it, but with tariffs and the way shipping prices are going, like that might be our next option. Apparently there's a sand shortage now, shortage now too. So it's like uh, glasses, glasses had a rough rough couple of years.
0: Oh boy. Yeah, we're just running out of everything. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Who would have thought?
0: All this consumerism is uh catching up with us.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: And now we're gonna take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Did you know that brands like Magic Spoon, Mudwater, and Caraway get an average of 20 times the return on their investment when using Malomo? Customers track their orders four to five times before it even gets to their door. And instead of sending them to the carrier's tracking page, Malomo built a tool to help brands optimize post-purchase marketing. Use order status emails and tracking pages to spur engagement and drive additional purchases by showing new products, sales, subscription options, and other engaging content simply by being proactive in managing delivery communications. Get 30% off your first three months with Malomo today by going to gomalomo.com slash stairway to CEO. While most people living in colder climates are getting ready to bring their outdoor furniture indoors to protect it during the winter months, customers of the popular brand Outer don't have to lift a finger. After all, outdoor furniture should stay outdoors, right? Made from durable materials like all-weather wicker that withstands temperatures down to negative 220 degrees with a marine-grade frame and legs, Outer ensures your outdoor sofa will stay good as new until spring and for many years to come. So if you're preparing to bundle up this winter, go get some marshmallows to roast over the fire pit and enjoy some cozy time outdoors with Outer. You can get $200 off on furniture purchases by using the code STAIRWAY200 on liveouter.com. That's $200 off amazing furniture using the code STAIRWAY200 on liveouter.com. I am Alexandria Collis, Director of Customer Experience for Princess Polly. I'm focused on our strategy and innovation in the CX department here at Princess Polly. I have a quote, and I always tell our CX leaders that customer experience is the heart of an organization, and we pump the blood and deliver the oxygen to the vital organs in the business to help them thrive and grow stronger. The gorgeous platform allows our agents a seamless place to just do it all. We are really there for the customer every step of the way if they want. Our customers expect quality and efficiency where they are. So the real question is, how do you get quality and efficiency across every single platform? And then once you have it, how do you maintain it? And I believe that with the Gorgeous platform, we can do that. If you're interested in learning more about Gorgeous, go to Gorgias.com and mention podcast for two months free. Thank you so much to our amazing sponsors. I hope you're able to take advantage of these exclusive deals designed just for you. Now let's get back to the show. Talk to me about fundraising. How has it been? What are some of the lessons you've learned?
1: Yeah, we're, we're closing up a friends and family round right now. It should be done next week. But a lot of this, we bootstrapped the company ourselves until, you know, for the first year. And then this, this we tried kind of the, the raise type thing and we're just kind of, weren't really inspired by it, to be honest. It was kind of, I'm not a very good like, salesperson putting myself out there. So it's more of like a, and it just didn't feel right. Um, I also like, we're kind of scared of VC money. The, the growth expectations are just like, not, we're not, we're, we're a great small business and we are very going to be a very large company, but just like, we're not going to be a billion dollar company. Like we're, we're a slow, slow growth. We're focused on the brand. Um, and for someone to come in and tell me that I need to grow this thing X amount, for a paycheck or like for the next raise, like, uh, doesn't really, yeah, it's not that exciting. It's not that cool. Like, it's like, I want to be, I want to keep things original to how the brand is that that scares me.
0: Yeah. I mean, you should be a scared, you should be scared for sure. <laughs> <laughs> be very afraid. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass.
1: <laughs> yeah. We raised, um, raised some money with friends and family. We raised that money for salt and pepper before we knew we had Oprah lined up. Um, So we've got a salt well coming out right here.
0: Cool. That looks really cool. What is this?
1: It's a salt well. So like when you're cooking. For salt? For salt.
0: Oh, wow. And it's
1: fully magnetic.
0: That is really fancy. I mean, listeners can't see this, but when are you launching that?
1: Again, like hopefully before the holidays. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. It's marble, white marble,
1: white marble. We've got a couple of concrete options and then we've got a a walnut and bronze peppermint.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to get those. (laughs) Those are beautiful and match our kitchen perfectly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They come in a bunch of different colors and um, that was what the was for is kind of product development and inventory for those. And yeah, those will be put on an airplane this time and shipped over.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So is everybody just choosing air? They're like, ah, forget the water. We're going in the air.
1: Yeah, you got to do it if you want anything here. I mean, yeah, like a month ago is the last day to ship anything by water. So now it's all air grade.
0: Wow. So you guys launched like 10 months ago, still early in the game. But what are some kind of, I guess, takeaways or, or things you could share with some listeners about what it's been like to build this brand?
1: It's been fun. It's to the branding parts. Is, is we always had this kind of this idea. Of this our ideal customer was like a host, and just like constantly having people over for dinner, um, and being like this, you know, very nurturing, generous host. And so that's who we kind of embodied and and kind of went on to create products for. So that's the branding stuff's been a lot of fun, and the product development. it's it's just, it's been a blast.
0: What recommendations or what advice do you have for, you know, strategies, go to market? How do you get seen? You know, if someone has an idea out there, they're building, they really want to build this brand and launch it. They don't really know how to get it off the ground. Maybe they they launch their website and they need to drive traffic or they, you know, what advice do you have? Are you like hire LGPR or (laughs) what, (laughs) what advice do you have?
1: Hire a good ad, like a good ad manager. You know we've got a like, a great one, and but in terms of like getting a company off the ground, you just you just got to do it. Um, and, and You know, don't stop trying because you know we didn't know what we were doing, and now we've got a spice back.
0: Was there ever a moment where you've been like, "What are we doing? Why are we doing this?" Like, or 2nd guest or doubted yourself?
1: Oh, all the time. Yeah, like every day. You're just like, "What did I get myself into?" <laughs> Like, you know, some days are great. Some days are you're just like, what are we doing? Like a spice rack? Really? Like, is this going to be all right?
0: Did I choose the right thing to do for the rest of my life?
1: Yeah, I haven't had an income in four years. Like, is that really a great decision? You know?
0: <laughs> right. I had a baby in April. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. It's kind of this just waves of emotions too. You know, you're just like, and some days are great. Some days, you know, you're on top of the world, like when Oprah comes, some days, you know, you'll be sitting there refreshing Shopify and like sales aren't coming in. And then you're on Amazon, you know, refreshing, you're like, oh, and then like, all of a sudden they come at once. Like for some reason, all of our sales are between like 4 a.m. and 10 a.m. and then like 7 p.m. till like midnight. Like I cannot figure it out, but no one's buying our products during the day. And so that's when I'm working. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just sitting, I'm like, well, why are- why aren't people buying this and then it's like oh wow like so many people bought it like from from these hours and stuff and so it's it's an emotional roller coaster
0: hilarious are people just like getting drunk at night and then they're just getting hungry trying to make a rotisserie chicken and they're like i need spices
1: i think people are are like making dinner and googling and they're getting they're coming to our recipes we've got a great kind of library of recipes that you know people are falling onto, and then they're like oh what is this and then uh, the morning thing, I cannot figure out. Yeah, it out, but it's like a 12 hour thing of sales. And then I mean, sales during the day are fine, but it's like when you, that's when I'm working. So it's like sitting there watching, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. This week's been amazing um, with Oprah news and stuff. So, it's, I mean, we've had top five highest days by far just the past this this week.
0: That's awesome. So the impact is pretty awesome so far.
1: Yeah. And it's, people are spending a lot of time on the site, which is great. Like we're getting good traffic and they're there and they're there for a reason. And they are spending like three minutes on average, which, you know, counts for a lot of things, but yeah, sales have been phenomenal.
0: This is your first company you're building, your brand. You're, this is the first brand you're building. What do you think, you know, as a kind of first time founder starting a brand and eco- that's on, you know, mostly D2C? what are some of the challenges that you face with like in terms of technology?
1: I think getting everything like talking together is always kind of interesting. Like we've got a warehouse in, in Nevada, we've got our own warehouse that's kind of in Los Angeles and it's, it's getting those things talking and an order comes in, who's sending it out. And Shopify does a very good job of that, but um, just with new products and stuff. And, you know, we've got draw, you know, we've got, 26 jars now and 26 spices and stuff like that. So it's like who's who's in charge of that? And then like all the SKUs and barcodes and stuff. It's it's a lot of work, but it's it's working out well. And we're now on William Sonoma too. So you can buy Ramilla on William Sonoma.
0: Cool. Nice. Yeah,
1: that went live last week. Um it's been great as well.
0: And that's online only or in the store? Online only. Cool. Are you gonna be selling to retailers?
1: Uh yeah. Yeah, I mean we we still want to have the the thing that's tricky with, with retailers is we lose the customers information after they buy it. And for a company like us, like we're a lot, you know, almost half of our refill orders are, are SMS based um, because you know people are cooking, they're going, hey, they're texting us, you know, when you buy an Evermore rack from us, you get a VCF card, like just how a friends sending you, hey, can you send their contact information? You get the VCF card, you download it. Says hi, welcome to Evermill like text us when you got when you need a refill. We have your, you know, we have your information on file, and you know we know exactly what you have at your house, so you can text red, red, you know, red pepper flakes. Is this it? You know, do you want to add anything more? No. Yes. Get sent.
0: I need that number so I can uh, get some more oregano.
1: I think I just put in your order, so I'll, I'll make sure you get the, the card. <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> I'll send you some more oregano. Yay! Awesome. So, what else? What do you think people don't know about starting a company?
1: I mean, it is a twenty-four hour job. Like, you are constantly working. There's not a lot of breaks. There's not a lot of vacations. You can't really. I mean, we're we're a three-person company right now, so you know, if someone goes off, there's not a team to watch what's going on. So yeah, there hasn't been a day off in in a long time.
0: Right. Not so glamorous.
1: Yeah. It's it's not glamorous at all. I'll tell you that. But yeah, it's interesting with, with you know, the COVID situation and stuff, like we're not out networking, we're not doing anything. So it's, you know, we're working from home, so we don't have an office. So it's, it's a lot of, when your home becomes work as well, it's it's just nonstop.
0: That is very true. And I think that applies for a lot of different jobs because it's just hard to break away. Like I find myself barely leaving my chair all day long and I'm like thirsty for water, haven't <laughs> had lunch. What is wrong with me? Why am I yeah. not like yeah I can't feed
1: myself like
0: what? <laughs> yeah. what what happened yeah I used to at least drive somewhere you know? yeah I, I know I miss that
1: I know I, I miss the office I've had it a lot but I I miss it it's fun yeah. like the laughing that goes on yeah the inside jokes like all the like camaraderie like
0: Taking a coffee break. Yeah. wow That's like luxury yeah. now. If I leave the house for a walk, it's like, whoa, what a great day. Oh, yeah. Like, I had sunlight today.
1: I mean, there's a couple of days where I walk outside, like, I've not outside for 72 hours. Like, what?
0: <laughs> on the weekends, my eyes are like, oh my God, this is what real sunlight feels like on the eyeballs, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's like living in a cave. So, anyways, before we wrap things up, just share, you know, where what's coming next. You know, you, you shared some really cool products that are launching pretty soon with the, the salt and pepper shaker. What's the kind of grand vision here of Evermill? And what's some final advice you have for aspiring entrepreneurs?
1: So, yeah, we've got salt and pepper coming out before the holidays. Um, we just released eight new spices that kind of will come with either, if you have an indoor, it comes with more pieces or a countertop, it'll come with kind of stacking lists so you can you know, showcase your more used spices on your countertop and kind of your lesser ones in the pantry or, or wherever you want to really. Um, it's kind of like this front of house, back of house kind of kind of story. And then uh, next thing for us is customization. You know, we want to get to where someone can come to our site and go, hey, like here are 50 options. What do you use the most? I want those 18. And then like, I want those six to live here or these more modularity, um, more customability. Cause right now, like we've got a great set of you know, 12 and 18 um, and they're the building blocks of most spice blends. So you can build kind of any blend you want from these you know, most. So getting to the point where people can choose what they want. Um, it's our number one piece of customer feedback. Like, hey, like this is great, but like, I really use this. I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, I can't make you know, everyone happy but I want to, and that's where we're going to get to be.
0: Yeah. That's going to be really cool to be like, I would need this and this and this, I don't use that, but I'll, I want some basil and I want some. Totally. Yeah.
1: I think we're a little too strict in our heads of what people wanted. And we've seen like, we released everything bagel. And like, that's just like, people are loving that, you know, it's like, ah, oh, like this like Puritan, like spice company. I had in my head like, Went out the window, but it's like that's what people want.
0: So, wait, you have a spice called everything bagel?
1: Yeah. You know, like the, yeah, it's just like the topping of an everything bagel, like garlic, onion, poppy seeds. Cause
0: that would taste good on like everything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Avocado toast. It's, you it can make crackers with it. It's really good. It goes on everything.
0: Amazing. And then final advice
1: just do it and start and just keep working at it. Just don't give up it's going to get there
0: eventually. And yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your awesome story. I'm such a huge fan. So I hope those listeners out there go out, check you guys out at evermill.com and use the code stairway 30 bucks off this amazing, beautiful spice rack. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me.